Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Drew Holcomb. His new album is called Dragons, and it's so good. Make sure you've listened to it and gotten a copy for yourself. Today on the show is one of my dear friends who I've just loved being a part of their family and spending time with their family and cheering her on. Rebecca Lyons is just amazing. She's just amazing. And I just can't be more excited to share today's conversation with you and her newest book, Rhythms of Renewal, that is just such a gift, y'all. It's just such a gift. What Rebecca has walked through and that has gotten her to this point is reflected so beautifully in this book. I think you're absolutely going to love this conversation and the book. So here is my conversation with author, speaker, all around one of my favorite women, Rebecca Lyons. Okay, tell me about y'all's new podcast, for starters. Can we start there? It's so good. Thank you. You and Gabe having fun doing it? We are. We are. We've talked about it for about a year. Yeah. And um, I was like, let's do this together. But then we weren't sure where we're going to go with it. And then as it got closer, I was just going to do it. And then literally um, a month prior, because he was always in on the planning. He had all these ideas. He was always really excited about it. And a month prior, we went to visit college friends that we were in each other's weddings and we were just talking about the next year, what was coming. And they looked at us and they just said, you guys are building two things like separate. And oh, they really wow. challenged us. They go, I really believe that you guys should do something very intentional together that almost falls outside of both of your umbrellas that yeah. you can just partner in. And what was so funny is we were driving back from that from their house in Charlotte and we were already set to record the opener that Wednesday that Gabe was just going to interview me. Yeah. And we'd done a lot of other back work. I'd done a lot of interviews since spring. And I said, let's just do this together. So we literally decided the day before we recorded that opening episode. Yeah. Because it came out of conviction for both of us that, um, you know, 23 years into marriage, 22, whatever. Yeah, 23 this December. I don't know. I can't keep track. Um, There's a lot of numbers in your life. You have a lot of kids, birthdays, anniversary. Just this conviction that um, we're better together. Mm. And yet we both feel unique callings in specific ways, expressions around certain things. But I'm finding the more that we do things together, we're we're actually a lot more aligned and overlap more than I even realized. So this is a way to explore that. So it's been fun. So for people who are married or even dating in relationship, why is it important to do something like that together? Because what maybe someone listening is a doctor and his wife is a teacher. Sure. Or she is real involved with the women's ministry at church and he is the youth pastor. Right. Why do you need to find that common thing? Right. And how, how do you do it? Well, it doesn't have to be your, you know, your day job. I mean, obviously you're doing life together. You're, if you're married, you're, and you have children, you're raising kids together. So there's a lot of overlap there, but because we both kind of have a work that requires voice, you know, just perspective, teaching, education, opinion, even we can just never really come together on that if we don't have intention around it. And so I think for us, it was just like, we've learned some things the hard way. And Gabe, actually, it's great to do something outside of the realm of Q that still complements Q, but for him to talk more personally about things. Yeah. And from a man, like, I think he's just really feeling this 
challenge and conviction around men, like men and leading and um, being vulnerable, obviously, mm-hmm. with their their frailty, but also so he's just I don't I just sense a new awakening in him, especially this year. He walked through some healing in some areas, yeah. like physically and 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 so it's just been really fun to do that. And so I would say for people who have two different, you know, obviously worlds, which is normal. That's right. That's and that's still the case for Gabe and I, largely. Yeah. It's more just about going, what is the one thing that we can partner in that serves someone else? Mm, maybe outside outside of our home, right? Yeah. So we know we can partner in serving inside of our home, but is there one area, one category? It can be small, big, whatever. How can we partner together to serve someone outside of our home? Yeah. And that just was a new way of thinking about it for us. Like some people will lead a small group together or they might do something in their city together on like, you know, whatever it is, HOA, PTA, whatever that is that you're serving locally. And for us, we're like, this is this is a way we could serve someone else yeah, together. Yeah, because this is different than making sure you have a date night once a week or once a exactly. month. Exactly. Because there's something about looking outward when you're doing right. it. And real community and intimacy is forged when you work alongside one another. Mm. And so Gabe and I could be just roommates, each building our own. And yet I have a real great collaboration with my team or he has great collaboration with his team. Right. But we are supposed to be on a team, even in what we put out into the world. And so we're like, this could be a way of doing that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's I feel like brilliant. I'm still processing it as I share it with you, but... I'm like, why are we having so much fun? I keep yeah. trying to ask myself that because I can do my work and I enjoy it and he does his work and enjoys it. But there's something unique about this that is like he's just cracking me up all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hearkening us back to when we were in college where we would put dreams on napkins. Like literally we, all yeah. we could afford was ice cream and we'd go out and we were like just just wild and whatever, laugh about the dumbest things, but also had similar hearts and kindred cares about the burdens that we were feeling. And so this was almost like, it's almost taken us back to that, yeah. if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. Like recalling that that original thing that we fell in love with about each mm-hmm. other. So it just seems like no matter where you are in a relationship, wisdom would say what you're learning right now is find that one thing that you can do together that serves other people. Yes. And it will- Outside your home. Outside Because home. we can That's come, good. we can become real insular because you know we have- two children with Down syndrome. We have two two other children who are in high school in the thick of just all that requires <laughs> yeah. the emotional stamina for high school, <laughs> just survived middle school. And so you, we could easily go, let's just look inward. Let's just care for the four. Yeah. But we're actually better parents because we're also looking outside of that too, yeah. I think. Um, okay. Can we talk about your four? Yeah. I love them yeah. so much. I love your people so much. Joy, how long have she's been here? A year? No, she, we brought her home. December. So we're at 10 months. Okay. 10 months. So for anyone, I think most of my friends who are listening and is are, are already friends with you too, but for anyone who doesn't know, will you just kind of explain who Joy is and how she joined the family? And- sure. So yes, we, we had three kids back to back, like every two years back in 2001, three and five. So now they're teenagers, high schoolers, actually <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And, and I cannot so- believe Kennedy is a freshman. Kennedy's a freshman. Yeah, I know. All so three. Pierce is a junior? And Kate's a senior. Yeah. Are they all at the same school? No. Okay. Two different schools, okay. public and private. Yeah. So um, so I had my tubes tied with Kennedy. I had three C-sections, and doctor was like, you're, you're, you're kind of done. Yeah. Like, your body's, your body's yeah. done. And so I remember telling Gabe I wanted to tie, t- tie my tubes, like, the last C-section. And he said, only if you're open to adoption. And I remember going, of course I'm open. I mean, I love God. Right. I mean... <laughs> 
Of course I'm open. I'm open. I love God. Shouldn't I be open? I mean, isn't that kind of one of the rules, right? But it was more, um, but how open really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember it was a three-minute conversation about every three years. And in that time, we had moved to New York and we were sandwiched in an apartment of a thousand square feet. Right. And they were lined up like three bears in the master bedroom and we would fall in the second bedroom on the bed. So I was like, I don't really... And Cade has Down syndrome. So that's a... Our firstborn, Cade, has Down syndrome. And so... We would have that conversation. We were like, could we, should we, maybe? And then it was always like, no, mm-hmm. I think we're good. We're good. Um, so we were open, but it just never really felt like this is it. But that was always in Gabe. Like he always wanted to really adopt. You know what? He always kind of reminds me. He's like, I just always thought four. I, wow. When I was like, well, I I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I felt like I had, because Kate, again, our oldest, he didn't got like go number two on the bathroom like in a toilet till he was six. I, yeah. I was I was changing diapers for three kids. Oh my um, he didn't walk till he was three. People thought he and Pierce were twins because they were always in the double stroller. So we had a delayed Cade, and then Kennedy. You know, she's just running around at ten right. months and an accelerated <laughs> Kennedy. So I felt like I had triplets yes. at one point. I was yes. like, I think we're good. Who we're, we're good. like four years old? Yeah, it felt like probably. Oh my gosh, Rebecca. Yeah, so all that to say, when we got back to Nashville five years ago from New York City, a lot of our friends were fostering or adopting again. And I'm like, here we go. You know, like the conversation's coming back around. And finally, I remember two years in pulling into my garage in the van and the kids had gone inside. And the thing about that is you stay in the van because it's the only place quiet in the after school rush. So they're like having snacks and I'm just sitting there talking to God. And and I remember telling Jesus in, in the van that day, if you want this to happen, I need you to put her right here. And so I held my hand in front of my face, like right here. And you said her? Yeah. Did you know it was going to be a girl? I knew that if we did, we would pursue a girl. Okay. And that we would pursue one with Down syndrome. Oh, yeah. okay. And and I said, I need you to put her right here, and, I, and I'll name her Joy. And so then that conversation was done. That was yeah. three years ago. And two years later, right around the same time, I get a text of a photo of a girl from my friend Meredith in Beijing. And she said, her file's going to the States tomorrow. And I was like, we're about to have our 20th anniversary. Um, We're going to be empty nesters in five years. The adoption conversation's off the table for us. We hadn't even really talked about it again since that garage Honda Odyssey moment. Right. And I remember saying, she's adorable. Why are you doing this to me? Like, why? (laughs) (laughs) To Meredith or to the Lord or both? Both. (laughs) Sometimes I get them confused. (laughs) Right. Understandably. Meredith has got that, like, um, ability to really – just with few words, you just feel the oh, conviction yeah. of the Holy Spirit going. Totally. Okay, so her file is going to the States yeah. tomorrow. What does this mean? And I said, she's adorable. What's her name? And she said, Kara. And I said, do you mean the Greek word for joy? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you'd think that'd be enough. Uh-huh. I was still reeling. I was like, no, wait, what? Yeah. I'm in my mid-40s now, <laughs> yeah. and she's five. She's five years old. Like, I'm going to be like ancient when she's in high school. Mm-hmm. And so just this, the fear of that, Gabe watches um, the Beatitudes Project by Studio. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with that. He watched that like the next day and he calls and he's like, we need to talk about Kara at the time. That's what we were calling yeah. her. And he's like, I believe God's inviting us into something. This is an invitation. And this might be, this might be more into 
to God than all the things we've ever done. And yeah. and I'm thinking like, you were supposed to be my out. <laughs> right, right. You were supposed to go, we're past yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, like I'm in, but my husband can't get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, right. But Gabe's such a man of conviction that he makes a decision and he literally doesn't. Why would we even talk about it for another yes, minute? It's that's done. Right. That's and right. So it took me longer and it took like the month of Christmas. You know, we had we had um, we had enough time and margin to really pause and pray. Gabe had already decided. Yeah. But, <laughs> and it was three weeks later. I remember telling him, I feel like I felt the day I got Cade's diagnosis 17 years prior. Really? Yeah. It was like I was, couldn't stop crying. And I just said, I feel like everything's about to change. And everything that I thought the next decade would look like is now done. It's, it's no more. Yeah. So saying yes to this means all the chips are back in the middle of the table. Do I quit speaking? Do I quit writing? Do I quit my, you know, and I kept asking God those things and he never answered. He just kept mm. saying, do you trust me? Do you yeah. trust me? I was like, that's not an answer. <laughs> You're like, that's not helpful. I need something Appreciate more you. definitive. Right. <laughs> and, and truly I had to lay it all down. Like mm. if I'm done, I'm done. As much as I love it, I'm done because I know bringing a girl who's never known a mom and dad. She was abandoned at four months at a hospital in an orphanage oh with gosh. 18 cribs, still in diapers, taking bottles till we picked her up, except <gasps> for the one year that she was with Meredith. She was with Meredith for a year, then went back for seven months before we got there. Yeah. So I, you just don't know what you're walking into other right. than like it's a surrendered yes. Yep. And so that day I told Gabe, I said, I'm afraid. I, I don't even know if I have what it takes, but I do believe that perhaps God gave us Cade 17 years ago because he knew there'd be a joy. Yeah. And he, he knew that he'd ask us to do this and we would say yes. Yeah. And so Gabe's so sweet, he just doesn't say anything, he just smiles at me as I'm like verbally processing and crying. And from that moment it was done. And I did have a peace. Once I like just was like this, this is a yes. And it means we might I might lose everything that I'm currently holding as dear, but that's okay because yeah. this is what obedience looks like, apparently. Right. <laughs> And that's what happened. So one year later to the day that she sent us that photo was Gotcha Day yeah. in China. And now she's with us. When do you invite Pierce and Kennedy into the conversation? Do you say to them, you're getting another sister? Or do you say, hey, we're making a decision? Like, what age do you invite kids into making family decisions with you like that? Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is Kennedy had started praying about a baby sister. Oh, Kennedy is all, oh, has yeah. always wanted. Yeah. Yes, she's told so me that. So we took her to see the war room like years ago, which is hilarious. <laughs> this is Priscilla's fault. Yeah. And Alina. Alina, <laughs> yeah, who she's now who friends she's with. Good friends with now. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, Alina thinks, you know, did such a great job in that movie as well. Yeah. Because of that whole war room concept, I remember coming home. Kennedy was probably eight. For people who haven't seen it, it's a movie about prayer. Prayer. Yeah. About going into your closet yeah. and just like taping your prayers up in your closet. Yeah. And so Kennedy did that after the movie. She oh, wow. taped up a bunch of prayers. And one was that she would have a baby sister and uh, that we would adopt. So again, you know, God's like, I'm just going to come at this a bunch of different directions. Yeah. And I do think Gabe and I both at some point were like, maybe that's so that you'll adopt one day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Kennedy, the Lord's planting in you, yeah. right? Yeah, we got you two toy poodles. That was, <laughs> right. that was supposed to fill that baby sister right. situation. That's one right. was a girl, one was a boy. <laughs> nope. So I, So because she had been praying for it for a long time, we still didn't tell her about it. We didn't tell her that we were so seriously until we were like at, at almost yes. And then we did over Christmas invite them both into that decision before we went yeah. back to the agency and said, this is a definitive yes. Yeah. And they were a little like Kennedy. It's a, Kennedy's such a caregiver and a nurturer. And she and they both very much know 
what life with Cade has required as yes. a sibling Yes, because they're younger than Cade. They've never not known a sibling with Down syndrome. So with that and Cade being more on the moderate to severe end of Down syndrome, they're like, we just, she's a little nervous. Like, I don't know what all she's going to need. Yeah. I'm like, oh, welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, guess what? No one does. <laughs> yeah. So I loved that she was so thoughtful about it and prayed through it. And but she's like, but I want this. And I know this is what God has for our family. If this if she doesn't have a home, we know what to do. It was the same response I had, basically. Right. She just needed a moment just like I did. And Pierce was like, Yeah, the more the merrier. (laughs) Of course. And he didn't even think three (laughs) minutes about it until the night we're praying together as a family before we're flying out to China, like eleven months later. And then he literally loses it, like Mm. sobs because he's like so overcome with the power of adoption and so moved by like he was going to get to meet her. Like it yeah. hits him. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a feeler um, in the moment. Yeah. And in that moment, I was really glad that he fully processed it Yeah, before she came home. And while we were in China, they didn't go with us, but we FaceTimed every day. Yeah. So that by the time she was home, even at the ho- even at the airport when they met him when we got home at midnight, he was a sobbing mess. And he I was, was like, the pictures were so sweet because <laughs> he's just like me. He's yeah. like full feeler. Think yeah. second. Meanwhile, Gabe and Kennedy are like, "Well, are we gonna be what she needs? How, yes. how are we gonna prepare?" You yes. know, Pierce and I are like, <laughs> <laughs> "So yeah, that's if how we invited say, them in." Um, that Cade is toward the severe end of Down syndrome. Where is Joy? Joy's moderate okay. for sure. Uh, she just picks up on everything. Like mm-hmm. if she were sitting right here, she would pretend she'd sit in this third chair and she would pretend like she's talking in the microphone the whole time. Oh wow! She, whatever she she sees you do, she will do. And she'll just if she doesn't understand what we're saying, we call it Chinglish. She'll uh-huh. just like it's like there's an English word thrown in, there's a Mandarin word thrown okay, in, and then yeah. there's just a bunch of babble, right? Because she wants to look like she knows exactly what's happening, and she's a part <laughs> like of the a normal party. Five year old, yeah. yeah. And and for her, social is off the charts. So like if anyone comes over, if you come to our house, she will run to the door, hello. Oh, and grab your basically your thighs wherever yes. she can reach to yes. hug. She won't wait for you to pick her up. Yeah, she'll just hang on. And she is a joy bomb. She's everything that like her name depicts yeah. and more. And it's so she's just more is more. I mean, on your I Insta think she's story yesterday. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> on your Insta story yesterday, she's just swimming. And I know this. I mean, I in my mind, I thought I didn't know Joy would be able to swim that well. Oh yeah, because of my experience with Kate. Yeah, and yeah. so I thought. I mean, Kate can swim, but yeah. he's, he's Joy more of swims. a floater. Kate's a floater. <laughs> he's good at Kate floating. Kate can grab a hold of you and he'll go wherever you're going yeah, in the pool. For sure. But Joy was just buzzing back and forth from oh, the yeah. two sides. She's been independent doing somersaults like a like a mermaid yeah. in the deep end yeah. since May. And she hadn't swam at all. We got her home in December and I didn't have, you know, she's not in school. She yeah. and mom are hanging out full time. Yes. So I was like, what can we do? So I, I mean, up, you were kind of on maternity leave. I was. Yeah. It was. It was very much that. And so I took her to the Y. Yeah. The, the Y. And she did two days, 45 minutes for like two months. And it clicked. Because here's the thing about swim lessons. This is just an extra for yeah, people who have little kids that want to learn how to swim. Because she wasn't afraid of the water at all. She just didn't even understand it could hurt her. Yeah. She discovered her buoyancy so fast. Because it's actually yeah. the fear of the water that like prohibits kids from getting off the wall or just getting a feel. She learned she learned so fast that like, oh, I can do a somersault. I can blow bubbles. Oh, this is really fun. 
And because of that, she never really – she picked it up so, so fast uh-huh. so that by Memorial Day, she's just in the deep end all the time. Oh no floaties, nothing. Yeah, I mean, she was back – she was swimming on her back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's going to run in the wall. She's going to run in the wall. And it, she just, like, stops right Oh, right full spot. smile. Like, full smile the oh whole gosh, time. you're like Michael Phelps. You're like, <laughs> know exactly where the wall is. And you're a five-year-old Chinese girl with Down syndrome. I know. This is incredible. I really want to go after Special Olympics for swim for her. Yeah. Because she's fearless with that. And then Kennedy does swim team at the yeah. same time in the other pool. Oh. So she's watching Big Sister, and yes. she's like, oh, yeah, of course I have to be like her. Yeah. That is incredible. What what has changed about Cade having Joy in the house? Oh, my goodness. He has come alive in a really? new way. Kind of like a, this is how it goes. This is what you do, you know, trying to take charge of her. But then at the same point, she kind of, if he's upset about something, she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Oh. It's okay, Cade. And she'll try to, like, nurture him, uh-huh. too. But the biggest change has been um, – she wants bedtime stories and it's always like 10 books. And yeah. that's actually taken me back because I probably didn't do it as much as I wanted to when I had three kids that were all in diapers. Uh, sure. Right? You're like, what? You're like, are you almost asleep? Lay yeah. down. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you, yeah. It's like traffic cop. <laughs> There's right. no like nurturing, let's sing a fourth song. Right. <laughs> right. No. But this time around, because it's just her and the kids, the older kids are usually doing homework and it's, and now that she's in school full time, just as of a couple weeks ago, we're all the more like making sure that connection's happening still. So Cade now does not want to miss out. So now he's in the story time. So the three of us pile on. Her room used to be the guest room. (laughs) Sorry, Joy. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a queen bed in there that Cade will sleep on, and then she's in a toddler bed, and I'll read books. And they basically just now, he's a part of all the the evening routine because he loves the songs. He loves the books with her. So developmentally, like they actually still enjoy a lot of the same things. Yeah which is crazy because he's like still a big brother that takes her hand and walks her places and shows her. I mean, he's definitely given her some bad habits and that he wants ketchup on everything. Yes. And I was like, no, that grape does not need to be dipped in ketchup. <laughs> he always wants more ketchup. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I've tried to shift him over to hot sauce uh-huh. because you can only do a splash of that. And yeah, it's just right. a lot less sugar. And, <laughs> and he'll limited. do it, but then sometimes he'll be looking at me like, hot, what are you doing to me? I'm like, well, you said you wanted hot sauce and we're out of ketchup. <laughs> we're out of ketchup. Sorry. Well, because of Costco, we can't get back for four more bottles. So we'll be is okay. She is into the wiggles as Kate is. Um, unfortunately, she's fine with the wiggles. Because <laughs> that man loves him some wiggles. I know. And we keep breaking those discs because we don't do digital at home anymore. And that's oh. one thing we have changed for her. She What is she, that? Nothing she in your house? The only time she'll watch any TV, and this is partly because she's learning she's just a sponge right now yeah. and you'd rather it be through like I, I'm yeah, it sounds like yeah. yeah it sounds like I'm all like you know you know arrived at this no it's not easy it's so much easier to put a screen in front of her but because she didn't really have much of that she never had a device at the orphanage there was a tv and she'd dance around in front of it yeah but she never had her own device we just don't do that at home either and so the only time she can watch something is if she wants to watch frozen because she can act out the entire movie oh my god and every once in a while we'll put that on in our room and she'll sit on our bed and watch it but there is no other like thing so the car is the only place that she can watch something okay and um she's all about it now are you limiting everybody have y'all had a change of yeah yeah we, is we, this part of the I mean your new book rhythms of renewal I mean is this part of that is just making some new rhythms in your house yeah yeah because I just think with teens I mean it's a whole different conversation teens and screens is like Oof. such a thing yeah and you know that I mean 
Annie and Screens is yeah, such a thing. Rebecca and Screens. I can't imagine being yeah. 16 and trying yeah. to maneuver this world. No. And we delayed everything. Pierce didn't get Instagram until he was 15. Kennedy still does not have it. Mm-hmm. She's 14 and she's reminding me all oh, the I'm time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just like, part of it is like we had him sign a contract when they did get a phone. And then it was like A's and B, A and B average. If it goes, and we have RenWeb, it's like an app on our phone. So we know in real time if a grade dips below a B. <laughs> yeah. We, the phone is gone that day until yeah. those grades are back up to A's and B's. Okay. So they feel this internal responsibility to go, oh, I don't have my phone for two weeks because I got a C average in this one class. That's really annoying. I'm like, well, you know what to do. Right. Email your teacher, stay after school, do whatever you need to do because now this this stuff counts for college. Yeah. So if you really love your phone, you know. And then other things, we make them plug them in downstairs at night at 8 p.m., which sounds really early, but that's usually because they have extra homework they're trying to finish. and. Man, if people, if someone took my phone away at 8 p.m., I would sleep more. Exactly. I would see less things that stress me out. Exactly. I mean, it would be a different world if I would start sure. at 8 p.m. I know. I, for Labor Day, I went to the lake house with my family. And because of my living situation, I don't ever turn my phone off. Because most of the time I'm, I'm with friends or I'm alone. And yeah. so it's just not safe to sleep yeah. with your phone off. Yeah. Um, but I was with my parents and I turned my phone off mm. for two days and I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, the yeah. freedom mm-hmm. when I'm not like a, having to be on yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. No, it that makes been, total sense. It was so great. So I'm like, yeah. man, if I could t- take my phone away at eight o'clock right. because there were people that, th- that our safety wasn't a factor, sure. yeah, I would do it. No, I get it. I wonder, like, I never turn my phone off, but I do charge it in the bathroom with the door shut between me and that. Yeah. Is that, do you do that or do you have to keep it no, right by your I bed? No, I keep it by my bed. Yeah, just to have it yeah. close. No, the that makes door, sense. You can get from the front door of my house into my bedroom in a straight line. Ooh. And so I kind of, makes even though I have an alarm, it's going to be sure. fine. I'm totally safe. Uh, I'd like my phone where if a crowd of people suddenly burst <laughs> through my front door, <laughs> you got you all can the way call to my room, 911. I can make a move. Because <laughs> I, was, I was plugging it in across the room and the bathroom, but the, the doorway is in between the bathroom and me. Right. So I thought, well, if the crowd of people comes in, I can sprint. I can't get, yeah, <laughs> they're between me and my phone. So. so then I do have a question for you then. So at bedtime, is there a counter routine that you can add so that the phone isn't the default? Like, what do you do then? Yeah, I'm Because having on, it by your mm-hmm. bed, I think, so is so hard. Yes. So it's on the other side of the bed. Okay. So you so have to roll over. I have to roll over. <laughs> Twice to okay. get to it if I need it. But I, I mean, after I went to onsite, they, you take a couple of like quizzes at onsite and one of them is what, what you're addicted to. Mm-hmm. And cause they're like, you need to know, you know, mm-hmm. your addictions. And they said, everybody comes back that they're addicted to technology, including me. Yeah. And so I've set some, like, I don't start in the morning until after I've read my Bible. I put it, I try to plug it in and go away from it by 9 30, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But I'm not always great at it. Yeah. Especially if I'm lonely or sad, I can, yeah. I can longer hold on to it than sure. I want to. For sure. Then you go, why are you, it is 12 15. Yeah. And you are watching f- tiny food being made. Stop it. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Read a book. So, yeah. Well, and that's why I was asking because in the in the rest rhythm of the book, um, Tech Detox is chapter two, and it mm-hmm. is that that three month sabbatical last year. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm sleeping again. I didn't yes. know that was a thing. Yes. I, I I've had interrupted sleep for seven to ten years, yeah. off and on, even since babies, but definitely since I started working more. 
feeling kind of the weight of responsibility personally out in and outside the home. Mm-hmm. And now I have to just stack books there that I may yes. or may not want to read. And then Gabe and I are watching. Sometimes we'll watch a documentary and I, uh-huh. I love them, but I also kind of like can't make it through a lot of it because we're yeah. getting up so early. Yeah. So something that just kind of helps me unwind that's not a phone scroll, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever that looks like. But reading for me, I feel like it puts me to sleep same, pretty fast. Same. I've gone through so many more novels lately because I'm not ending the day on my phone. Yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this great conversation with Rebecca to tell you about our friends over at Third Love. You guys know I love talking about Third Love, and it is so funny to me how many messages I'll get on Instagram, Twitter, where people are going, hey, tell me that code again for the bras. So here is all the information you guys need about Third Love. You've heard me talk about it before. Third Love bras are the perfect fitting bras. They use these data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and a premium feel. And every one of us has 60 days to wear the bra, wash it, put it to the test. And if you don't love it, for real, return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need, which I think is so great. And Third Love has a team of expert fit stylists that are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. And they're available every day to help via text or chat or phone. It's so helpful. And overall, the quality is just my very favorite. I I just can't say enough good things about Third Love. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for every one of you gals out there. So right now they are offering my friends 15% off your first order. This is what you guys always ask me for. You go to thirdlove.com slash sounds fun. And that's how you'll find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash sounds fun for 15% off today. Okay, now back to the show. So what made Rhythms of Renewal the right next thing after you are free? Well, it's funny. Rhythms idea actually began in 2011, but it was just in my journal. Uh-huh. It was never something yeah, I talked you about. Talked to, I mean, yeah. well, I feel like you talked about it some. I did, probably. I Maybe not consciously. It was never kind of a, you know, a message. You weren't we, preaching it. No, 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 no. It was more just trying to live it. And the idea right. of the last book was live is to get free. You know, you are Which free. Which if people haven't read You Are Free get them both because I love you are free. Mm. So, so that's more about finding freedom. And mm-hmm. then this one is live, live free, mm-hmm. you know, like, wh- because I kept getting the question a lot on the road would be, okay, I'm finding, I'm starting to wake into a new way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not so gripped all the time with fear or anxiety or stress, but then it keeps wanting to come back. What do I yeah. do? So I kept getting a lot of, what do I do? How do I live this out? And I don't want to be prescriptive. It's more just to offer suggestions. Like here's yeah. some things I've tried and it does feel like it's helpful for sustained. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the idea for us is perseverance. Like what's right. a sustained trajectory mm-hmm. of emotional, spiritual, mm-hmm. and relational health. And the only way that really can come is through intention, you know? And so that's what this book is trying to spell out for people. Like, here's some ways. Yeah. It's amazing because it feels like all three of your books kind of are the, they're like three parts to the same story. Yeah. Gabe said, this is the end of your anxiety trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I received that. I received that. Amen. (laughs) Please let it be the end of my trilogy. So Lord. Um, Okay. How do you pick the, because there's four rhythms you outline in the Mm -hmm. book, rest, restore, connect, and create. Yes. One thing I love about you is you don't find the book. You live first and the book finds you. Right. Why were those four right for you? 
Well, because they built. Us, I guess. They, mm. I found I'm a linear thinker. So yeah. I grew up reading books. And so I just always automatically needed something to almost be an on-ramp yeah, for everything yeah. that would take you from A to B to C to D. Right. And after I walked into the beginning of a healing journey out of panic disorder nine years ago, I remember having to go back underground after the summer. I, I went out away for the summer, wrote the first book. Uh-huh. It was in the woods of Connecticut. And then I came back and I had to actually descend like five flight, flights of stairs to take the Q train to Queens. Yeah. And all of a sudden that, ang- that panic attack wanted to begin again. So I got through it. It was like me and an old man. And I just kept saying like Jesus name a hundred times. Oh, and you were just like holding yeah. the old man's yeah. hand or something? Yeah. It was just me and him. I wasn't holding his hand, but I was just like, hi, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh. Like literally just trying to get through that 30 second. It was about a total of two minutes to that stop. Why do you say his name? Why do you say Jesus's name when you're in the middle of a panic attack? Well, for me, because Jesus says the peace I give, the world cannot give. It's this idea of him being um, the prince of peace, and I uh-huh. want to come under that covering because I know I don't. I'm not going to muster the peace personally. Yeah, I actually just need his peace. Ah, so that's how I look at it. It's like it. you are my peace. So yeah. I'm going to actually just and it's desperation in that moment. Sometimes yeah. a little, I'm a little more articulate, but when I'm really afraid, like really, really afraid, I just keep saying his name. And I don't know that we need to be more articulate. I yeah. think it's just interesting. It's that, desperate. Yeah. Well, and one thing I I do think a lot of people are like, Jesus, just give me more peace or more love or more joy or whatever. And I'm like, no, I I would, for me, it's more like you are, you are Mm -hmm. all those things. Mm -hmm. You are my joy, my peace. You you are the fruits of your Holy Spirit that you give us. Yes. Really come from you, you and your spirit. So instead, I'm just going to come under that. I'm going to ask that you would do that for me on my behalf. Because when I try to muster peace, like it's temporary it feels less effective. But if I look to you as the peace I give, the world cannot give, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to submit to that. Mm. I'm going to come under that. Mm-hmm. Surrender to it. So right. anyways, that's why I do it. I don't, <laughs> but it is true. I'm like, do I always do that? Sometimes I'll just pray. Like if we're in like real bad turbulence or I'm a real small plane, like yeah. even just set, like two weeks ago, yeah, I was like, I literally can't get on this plane right now. Because it was so small. It, was, it felt like it was the size of my closet. <laughs> And it had like a tunnel entrance. You know where like what? everything like the over like the bulkhead is like closed oh, in. Yes, yes, yes. Really, yes, really yes. tight. And there's yes. only one line of seats, yes. like one seat all the way back yep. on one side and, and two, one on the other side. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I called Gabe, I'm like, I, I can't I, and I literally got out my phone and Google mapped how long it would take me to drive to the oh event. I was it was nine hours away and I was speaking in four hours. I was like, <laughs> You're gonna have to do this. <laughs> And it was so cool to remind even the women that night, you're like, just so you know, I have not arrived. Yes. Like that bravery is moving scared. You're a brave girl. You know this, right? So just know that Jesus has to be my peace today. This is a story that's six hours old, not nine years old. Yes. So I want to make sure even in this Rhythms book, I'm all over the place. But No, this is real friendship. That this whole idea of this daily cadence with God is that we need we need renewal and we need rescue uh-huh. all the time. Uh-huh. There's a verse in Psalms that says you rescue me again and again and again and again. So maybe that looks like when I can't get I on a plane. I've never read that. I know, I need to find it. I'll find it and yeah. you can get I'll give it to you for the notes, but that's powerful because he is our portion daily and yeah. he says I'm an ever-present help. 
ever present, like yeah. anytime, any moment you need me, Jesus, 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 or whatever. Right, right. So for me, that that works. But that day, I came up from that subway in Queens, and I remember writing in my journal that night, I need some proactive things I can put in my life for health. And I called it Rhythms of wow. Rescue at the time that became Rhythms of Renewal. Okay. And it was just this idea of how do I... And I had this whole map. I had read The Happiness Project. Yeah. And I was like, she does all these things. So I had it all mapped out for the week in New York. I was like, I'm going to go on an artist date and I'm going to do, um, you know, finances. I'm going to clean. I'm going to meet with people and connect. Like in yeah. my mind, they were all 30-minute blocks. And I failed miserably by like week two because it was so too controlled. Yeah. But over time, over the next few years, it just it siphoned out into these four expressions of rhythm, rest, restore, connect, create. And so the reason why I wanted to build the book around it is like, I need to actually give handles for what I've been experiencing personally yeah. in a framework people can kind of understand. Mm -hmm. And when you look, because to me, it sounds a little bit like you're building the fence and you'll always stay within the fences. It doesn't mean it won't be scary. It doesn't mean things won't go sideways. You just now have these rhythms in place, these yeah. Disciplines is right. another word I like to use a lot. Yeah. Disciplines in place that kind of help you grow and become who you are to finish the race. Right. It's a framework for me yeah. because I'm framework's I'm, a way better word. I'm yeah. a fan of alliteration. So, and rest and restore our input rhythms and connect and create our output. Okay. Rest and restore input. So that means it's things you're doing for your own filling. Uh huh. Okay. Because you can't. What we're finding in society that burns out is that we're always doing the output, but we are not actually caring for what we need. On the, so we're trying yeah. to give something that we run out of. Mm -hmm. So that's why that daily portion becomes so important. So rest is the inner life, spiritual health. Restore is the physical life and our physical health. Uh -huh. And then the, out, the other two, connect and create, are the output. So once you've done that, once you've done a practice every day that's about your spiritual inner life and about your physical life, then, then you can go out and then think about how do I connect people in relationship? How, how am I connecting? How am I vulnerable? Yeah. How am I handling conflict resolution? How am I loving my people well? And then the fourth one is create, and that's your vocational health, like your, your calling. Right. You know, what, do I, what, what more public do I offer to the world? What does that yeah. look like? So the idea, I think, is I, found, I find when I'm running really hard and connect and create, I'm tired a lot yeah. and my body is crashing because I just am not taking enough time to go, oh, wait, I, maybe if I start and run from a place of rest, not run to earn rest, uh -huh. but run from a posture of a restful spirit that says, hey, what's done is done. What's not done will be there tomorrow. Yeah. I don't have to carry this all night long and you know stew about it at 3 right. a.m. Right. And then physically, like as you know – all of us who have jobs that just take us in a lot of different time zones and in front mm -hmm. of a lot of different people, I come home and I crash and I can barely like do the laundry. Yeah. And so there's this thing of like, what have I, what do I need to change physically about meeting, like inviting God into the, like the movement? Do I do prayer walks? Do I just get active to get out in nature and have gratitude? What's my morning routine? And then also, what am I eating? That's been a big change the last couple of years, too. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, we did Whole30 as a family two years ago. The kids were not thrilled, <laughs> I remember. to say the least. <laughs> but um, it began something in me that made me I, – I got off, like, 
half and half in sugar in my coffee after 25 years and oh, wow. never went back. Now you just drink it black? No, okay, no, great. I'm not that. I was like, that's I'm not, very hard. I'm not that disciplined. <laughs> no, I just do an like an organic almond creamer, yeah. almond yeah. milk creamer with some coconut in it. That works. But yeah. it's more just about, for me, finding that supplements I needed because there was depletions of iron or yeah. uh, as far as like no gluten or dairy, very minimal. Um, n- not much high fat, but yet still avocado. Right? Thank you. Obviously, right. almonds, avocado, and acai. Yes, all the, all the A's. That's right. That's right. I'm, those are big parts of my life. But, same, same. But yeah, I, I just I have the energy crash was always happening, and I write that in the Eat Smart chapter. My energy would crash at three when the kids were coming home, and I'm like, yeah. sorry, I didn't see you all day, but I need to go take a nap. And right. I just felt like as a mom, I was like missing those vital hours of connection with them when I was home yeah, because I was just so tired Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And you can't actually, I don't believe you can accomplish even the things that are in your heart and the burdens that you carry or the passions and the birthright gifts. You can't actually execute on any of that stuff when your body's crashing. Yes. Doesn't matter how much you want to. That's right. I mean, that's what happened to me at the beginning of 2019 where I was having a Sabbath, I was sleeping and my body still crashed. Mm. And I couldn't figure it out. But what I, I knew what I was doing. I was so busy that I knew at night when it got to be like 10, 30, 11, I would think you have to go to sleep or you cannot do everything tomorrow. So just force yourself to go to sleep. So it was never what you said of this like, okay, it's time to rest. I can let it go. It was like the next thing I have to check off is sleep. Yeah. So check it off. But could you sleep? Go, uh, Your body the whole way through. Yeah. I never slept the whole way through. I was like, I wish my body would obey me when I made yeah. it sleep. No, but I, but the problem is when you do that, you aren't actually resting. You're just doing another thing on the to-do list. And even my Sabbath day became, okay, check it off. Duty. You have to do it. You have to do it. Or you won't be able to do all these other sure. things. And then it just became, it was not rest. It was another thing on the to-do list. And yeah. then my body gave up. Yeah, I mean, girl. gave up. And I, But I just had no idea what it looked like to operate from rest mm-hmm. instead of treating rest like another part of what you have to check off in yeah. a in an overextended life. Well, I grew up with like a list every Saturday morning and the top one was devotions and then wow. like clean toilets, right? right? So and I it was well intended. So there's no problem with that like starting the day with that, but what I think a lot of us do with even our time with God, it's like check it off, like let's do the task of it that read the Bible in the year, whatever. Those are all good things, but it's less about like, is my faith growing than it, than it is about like, am I doing this out of duty or uh, obligation or yeah, religion, right? Because right. we don't even know our motives sometimes. Right. We're just so used to, we're so hardwired to achieve and, and check and, right. and check it off. That sometimes God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, how about we just hang out and you just like sit in a kneeling posture with surrendered hands and just say, you are my king and like just hang there yeah. for like five minutes and and know that you really communed with God versus like, but I read, you know, four chapters in Psalm. You know what I mean? I think for me, I've had to kind of relearn, like I'm up still a lot currently right now. Really? I don't know why. You wake up in the middle of the well, night? Well, like last night. It's awesome because it's really usually when I'm on the onset of a new season, I think there's a little bit of like more God just kind of, and I don't stay in my bed anymore because you want your bed to be a place where your mind's memory, your muscle memory for your brain is like, this is where we sleep. And if you have a lot of sleepless nights, I'm learning from specialists. If you have a lot of sleepless nights in your bed, your bed will no longer be seen 
by your brain cognitively ah, as a oh place gosh, of rest. Rebecca. So it's very important to get up uh-huh. when your mind starts racing and like change the scenery. And so I'll go out to the living room and then lately, <laughs> this is awesome. I now have a palette in my closet uh-huh. and I leave like my journal or my Bible open and I'll go in there for so Gabe is just snoozing. Yeah, because I don't want to wake him. Right. And I and I have the light really low in the closet. And I'll just I'll just like kneel because kneeling is actually a natural way for exhale. It slows your breathing. It literally kneeling actually puts your body in a posture of surrender and release. Oh wow. You you can't have racing. I have not been able to have racing thoughts while I'm kneeling right. with like arms like palms open just like Okay. And then it slows your breathing. And I've learned like if you slow your breathing from 14 beats a minute to like four to six, like an inhale of five seconds and an exhale of five seconds, just continue. That's like six breaths a minute. Yeah. That's when uh, that everything kind of calms, like that prefrontal cortex. It can't, the racing thoughts can't continue. And then so for me in the middle of that phrasing, Kurt Thomas has been huge about this. Oh, I love his stuff. Yeah. So he kind of taught me how to do this. He he says, if you just want to have a phrase in the middle of each, at the end of each exhale, like Christ have mercy or whatever it is, like whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, it's just some, some expression of talking to Jesus. Real simple, a couple words. And you do that, he says, if you do that that staggered, slow um, centering prayer for six weeks, it'll change your life. And the reason is because what you were just- Every des- morning for six weeks? Yeah. Or every sometime day? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And because what you were just describing, like how your year began, I was feeling that too. And the way it would come out for me is that everything- would start to become overwhelming. Yes. Like I would overreact to the simplest things like, oh, it's just so hard. Everything's so hard. It's like you're literally looking at making a piece of toast right now. Right, right. <laughs> Avocado toast is so hard. <laughs> this is too, why is this thing rotten? I thought I bought a good one. Yes, everything felt too much. Yeah. Yes. And so that chronic overwhelming feeling, I mean, I, I lived it and I was like, is it ever going to, not feel so hard, like for daily functional tasks. Gosh, so many people feel that. Yeah. So Kurt asked me, he goes, where do you feel most overwhelmed when we did the interview? Because he's on doing, he did this for the podcast. Yeah. And I said, my laundry pile in front of my washing machine. He's like, okay, this is what you need to do. Because he was just all about like inviting the presence of God into that moment to still your heart, to calm your mind. He said, just start doing those things. He's like, just because I think for a lot of us, we know we feel overwhelmed, but we can't pinpoint. He's like, no, name a moment where every time you you do you're in this setting, everything like your your body starts uh-huh. re- reacting. So for me, it's laundry and iCal. Okay. When you open So your when iCal. I open my laptop to iCal, I start having shallow breathing. I'm like, <gasps> Because it's the logistics of like making sure everything's happening right when it's yeah, supposed to, yeah. and it, it it sends me into a tailspin. I have to have really? my assistant is great now at like just handling it for me. I go, can you just give me a thirty minute alert? <laughs> I don't even want to know. I don't even want to look at it. I know. Last night you're like, where's your office? And I was like, I thought we told you. And then you're like, I may not have looked at my account. <laughs> yeah, I try to avoid it, and I didn't want to text yeah. her late, but I knew you'd be up. <laughs> Girl, you got it. I was like. I don't know if we told you we moved offices yesterday. Here's where it is. It doesn't matter. 
Man, that is so interesting. Okay, so for people who don't know Kurt Thompson, mm-hmm. which book would you tell them to start with? Soul of Shame or? I think so. I mean, that's the only one I'm real familiar with. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. And we are going to release his podcast in a week where it he walks you through this. So his episode's out, so people yeah, can go listen out. to you it. Yeah, it's out. You can go find it, Kurt Thompson. Okay. So it's a it's like a 30-minute interview, and then it's an eight-minute exercise walking you Ooh, through that prayer at okay. the end. Yeah. And it's it's... It's been so huge. I interviewed him actually a couple of months ago. And so I've been doing it for a while before it came out yeah. <laughs> because I just wanted to see how that helped. And it has. How long do you stay kneeled? Knelt? Knelt. What am I supposed to say? You know, well, in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> you're like, Annie, it's 4.30. I don't know. <laughs> eventually, I fall to my side and fall asleep. <laughs> there you go. Okay. But this sounds so dumb. Like, I'm thinking of your listeners. Like, so Rebecca's telling us that she gets up in her closet and lays on a pallet of blankets and then she kneels and then she that falls. Does not sound dumb. I, I don't, I know it just sounds so out there. It's just that I'm, here's what I know I think God's meeting me in, in peculiar ways right now, like just kind of unexpected ways. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm, we're just going to hang out in the closet. And I'm like, okay. But what it's doing, it's almost just reawakening me to God's interruption, mm. like that holy interruption where he's like, it doesn't have to just look like this. Yeah. How about we'd like, how about I meet you over here? And so last night, great example, I opened, like I did the whole, like, I'm just going to open my Bible to whatever page, and it's yep. a big fat study Bible. So it could yep. it could have been Leviticus, it could have been right. James, but I opened it to actually Samuel, and it's a chronological Bible. So it will put Psalm 18 is my favorite psalm, and it's a psalm of rescue. Uh-huh. I never knew that Second Samuel has the exact same pass- passage next to it. So I opened to my favorite psalm. Oh wow! Literally in the middle of the night, yeah. where he said, "You pull me out of out of a deep water. You rescue me because mm-hmm. you delighted in me." Mm-hmm. That's like my anthem psalm of what happened when I came out of panic disorder. I was like, so you had me kneel and praise you and like slow my breathing. And then you had me just open to a phrase that you actually had planted in me nine years ago. Yes. Like you do. Yes. Right. And I think that's what God wants for us. He's like, hey, how about we get a little unconventional Mm -hmm. and how I want to get just get up in your biz and remind you, I see you. Yeah. I am Elroy, I am the God who sees, and I'm Rafa, the God who heals. I'm going to just pursue you and surprise you and interrupt what you think you should be doing. Yes. And last night was just, again, in the closet, just an example of that. We have one plant in the office, a cactus, and his name is Elroy. Oh. Because we we just believe that God is the one who sees. (laughs) Yes. Um, I had a similar experience, Rebecca, because a, a word my counselor and I have been using about this season of my life is sober because I'm not traveling. There's a couple of things I've put in place with men and with just a couple of things in my life that guardrails. I am very sober. (laughs) I am not, um, I am not having very high highs or low lows right now. I'm very like the things I turn to, to, um, get a, a punch of excitement or energy, like getting on a plane are not part of my life right now. Right. And so the word we keep using is sober, even though it's not necessarily about alcohol right. or drugs. It's Well, it's what Seth Haynes talks about, inner sobriety. Yes. He uses that in every area of life. It's 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 the fighting of our compulsions. Yes, that's it. That's it. And so so I'm writing about it in my journal and I'm listening to Pray As You Go, the devotional, and mm-hmm. they read First Thessalonians. And for some reason when they're reading, they read verse four through eight and 
ninth or four through six and nine through 11. And my brain, I just, I open my Bible and I go, oh, what's in the middle? And I, and it says sober in the Mm. middle. There's a verse. And I was like, I did not know the Bible had the word sober in it anywhere. Wow. And this is like NIV. This isn't like one of the new fancy ones. This is like an old school translation. And, and in those moments, yeah, because, you know, we would tell a 14 year old, don't just open your Bible and read anywhere or don't just listen. And I'm like, no, sometimes you could just do that. Oh, for sure. Who cares? God will meet you. His word is his word. Yes. (laughs) You take one step toward him and he is coming. You know, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with your whole heart. And I just thought, I did not know we would talk about sobriety in the Bible. Well, it's funny. I grew up on King James. Mm -hmm. So there is a... Yes, you quote it from stage sometimes. Sober is like, like in King James Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And I remember being young, being like, be sober-minded, be diligent. And I was like, sober-minded? What does that mean? You know? Because, you know, I'm like 10. I don't know what fornication means either. Right, right. And and that's (laughs) in memorize it. That's in the King James. (laughs) But it is interesting, like, even how different translations will have a different expression. Like the KJV version of, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Sound mind is King James, whereas self-discipline is... Um, NIV, but sound mind resonates for me personally because I, when I'm in the middle of a panic attack, there is no sound mind. There's a crazy brain. Mm. And so almost like the calming, like the weight of what a sound mind really requires is like, this can't be me. This has got to be you. This has got to be you taking over. Right. And so nothing wrong with self-discipline, of course. Like we need self-discipline. But I sometimes feel like self-discipline means like I'm not doing half and half in sugar in my coffee. (laughs) Right. Whereas sound mind means like I'm not going to, I'm going to get on this plane and I'm going to fly because you're going to be my piece. Yeah. So again, I'm not trying to pick hairs with translations, but it's good to read several because I think you can get like this broader picture of what the writer meant. So when you run into a scripture that you love in your study Bible, how do you look at the other translations? What do you, do you have multiple translations sitting with you? No, I'm not that Uh, holy. What do you do? (laughs) Holy. I don't know about that. (laughs) No, I'm laughing. I have a study Bible that is chronological NIV and it's new living. Okay. I love that. But then I have, I've memorized so much growing up in King James and then NIV once I started college. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I know those three the most, and I I just kind of mix it up. Does I, scripture memory matter to you? Yes. Why? Because I want to be able to say it out loud at any moment. And I find that like in that final prayer, Jesus, you know, the last supper where Jesus says, I'm going to, here's all the things you need to know before I go. And he says, I'm going to send you a comforter, an advocate talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he says, he's going to remind you of everything I ever said. Mm. And why I think the Holy Spirit prompts us in the middle of a fearful moment, we can get a, like literally you can wake up out of a dream that's scary, or you can be in a scary situation or whatever. And all of a sudden I'll just hear not by my, not by power, but by my spirit, whatever that phrase is, because at some point I took it in. Mm -hmm. Um, So memorization is not so much about like, hey, let's recite this because we know it. It's more that when you articulate it out, you're, you're getting the word of God, not only like mentally and reading, but you're also, you're confessing it at the same time. So you're getting a twofer. So if I'm home alone, (laughs) I'm reading the Bible out loud. Ah, for You're sure. saying it. I'm reading yeah. it and confessing it at the same time. Ah, because okay. a lot of times those verses are declarations. So not only is is am I being like reading and receiving, I'm like, I'm agreeing. Yeah. I'm going, yeah, I'm reading this. I'm taking it in. And now because your word doesn't return void, I'm going to say it at the same time. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm chosen and beloved. I'm yeah. appointed and set apart. 
I can read Jeremiah's version of that, or I can also say it out loud so that like, hey, that's for today and that's for Rebecca. And the more you, I, so I don't consciously memorize anymore. I just say things out loud so much that there's like a memory that just mm-hmm. takes over. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Anything you put in your mind long enough and then repeat back out, yeah. you start to remember. I still, I mean, when I was little, I listened to, I've talked about this on the show before, but I listened to G- GT and the Halo Express, which was wow. like, a, it was like Odyssey, like Adventures in Odyssey. Not like JT, kids. but GT. No, GT and the Halo <laughs> Express. And they were angels that came into kids' rooms and taught them Bible verses. And, to, and I love it. And it's all songs. I love and it. So I can, the majority of scripture that comes to my mind, yeah, I can sing. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I listened to GT and the Halo Express. Yeah, girl. And I know Beth Moore talks a ton about scripture memory. She memorizes books and books. And I feel like you and I were at the same conference. I can't remember which, if it was the one of the ones we were at together, but where a woman literally got up and her whole talk was like doing the book of First Timothy wow. or something. And I was like, that's amazing. Oh, she's. Oh, I, like I started listening. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's going to quote some screen. She's still quote. She's That's the, the whole, whole book. Yeah. She just did the yeah, whole No joke. Book. No joke. But I do think there's something to, ha- I mean, it says hide God's word in your heart. Yeah. yeah. And it, sometimes I think with scripture memory, it feels overwhelming. Like what's more important about memorizing is understanding. Like, yeah. t- like the, the revelation of that verse in your life, right? Yes. So for me, once I understand it, and it has transformed something about the way I see God, the memory of it just starts to, like, like say for 1 Corinthians 13. I memorized that in King James in fifth grade because we had to. Yeah. It was like Awanas. Yeah. It was awesome, though. <laughs> I was like, speak with the tongue of men and have not – I'm a clanging symbol. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. But then later in life, I, I remember – thinking like, oh, understand all prophecy and have knowledge and have all these spiritual gifts, but I don't show love. Now I understand that. Yes. I can have this prophetic gift or I can pray for healing, or I, but, but I'm not doing it from a posture of empathy and love. It's a clanging symbol. Like it's noise. Yeah. It's not pleasant. So now that, that memorization makes even more sense to me because I lived it, you know? And I Psalm one thirty nine, same thing. I memorized that in college. Mm-hmm. So there are times I memorize passages, and now I'm like, oh, that's about you appointing. Says all your days were written in your book and planned before mm-hmm. one of them began. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, so that's a psalm about destiny appointed in the womb. That means even like you had appointed for us to adopt joy. That was planned and purposed. I didn't have to do it, but that was planned and purposed. Um, but you give us free will. But so now it's like, oh, so a lot of times if I'm teaching women, I was like, hey, the birthright gifts were formed with intention. And he said his works were wonderful. So there's that. And then also the heart of a father is to call out destiny. So he has destiny over your life and he's already given you the gifts to accomplish that destiny. Yeah. So it's up to you if you wanted to accept it or reject it. And at that point, then all of a sudden that Psalm comes alive. Yeah. You know, it's not just memory anymore. Yeah. Which I think matters. It's what I mean, especially as people are new to the Bible or learning the Bible, like pick ones that stand out to you and just put it on a card and put it in your head and think about it. Yeah. And let it spin around for a little bit. Yeah. Okay, your book comes out tomorrow. Rhythms yes. of Renewal. How do yes. you feel? I feel good. I know. Book releases are fun, right? They are well, they're fun. Yeah. I think they're this time around is a different approach for me. Third time around. The first time I had all this, I was so naively optimistic. Free fall to fly. Yeah. First first book was in 13, 2013. I was very naively optimistic. 
because I basically wasn't a great writer, but Jonathan Merritt, mutual friend, helped me. He's like, this is how you craft a sentence. And that (laughs) metaphor is not possible. So let's not use that one. So so that one was great. Uh, It was definitely more memoir. And then the second book, I worked really hard. Like you were free. Like I just really muscled through it, which is funny because the message of the book was not to earn favor with God and He's like, it required a lot of you. Yeah. Yeah. And then this book, I had neither. I had hard, neither hard work or like expectations because mm. we had joy. Yeah. And I like benched myself professionally for nine months. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a book coming out. So only in the last month did I even like push. And even then it was just this like, okay, God, do just do what you need, what yeah. you want. Yeah. So now I can just enjoy it and just yeah. see what happens. Yeah, it's great. I mean, well, it's an awesome book. I can't wait for people to get it. Um, thank you for writing it. I think it is. it feels like a handbook that can go with you thank and you. help you shape. I mean, I, I love books that come out September, October, November, because then you go like, I can start now, but in 2020. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a good like, here's a, you know, Advent. Yeah. Make Lent. A, yeah. New year. Birthday. Yeah. Like I yes. like um, pillars in my year. Yeah. And I feel like what a what a gift to walk mm. into mm. the rest of this fall and next year with it. So yeah, I kind of end the book with make a plan and work the plan. Like everyone's going to find their version of yeah. rest, restore, connect, create um, just every day in your life. Just have one thing that fills your inner life, your spiritual life, your physical life, connect with a friend. And then do something with your hands, like create, just do something, make dinner, whatever. Just do something. Just small expressions each day, I think, give you that fullness and the wholeness that that's really what this is about. Yeah. That's awesome. Well done. Okay. Rebecca, thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. You're the best. I just love you and your people so much. Um, Okay. You know how we have to end this because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what you do for fun. Oh, we just throw a charcuterie board out in the back and and just invite whoever wants to come over. And yes. then we basically watch Joy do somersaults in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. No, there's a lot of other kids in the pool. But yes. like the other night, Gabe and I literally set up a table and we were the ice cream scoopers. Uh-huh. And just kids, they just kept coming. Oh, and we were just loading them up with ice cream sundaes. And it was so fun to me because we planned it literally the day before. And I think yeah. we had like 40 people over. Oh, I love it. But mostly kids. And yeah. that's where we're at. I mean, we have four kids, so we might as well embrace it. Yeah. All their friends just need to be over. So that's fun. That's fun I was to talking to Rachel Myers from She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth. And we were talking about how having a pool is a great way to get to host a lot of kids. Yeah, without traipsing through your house, honestly. Our house isn't that big, so the pool is like, okay, this is where we're going to (laughs) hang. Yeah, everybody outside. (laughs) I'm really good for entertainment between April and September, but beyond that, (laughs) I'll see you next year. right? Yeah, Y'all are always hot tub people. Y'all kind of turned me into a hot tub person because so often (laughs) you'd be like, come over and just let's just get in the hot tub. It only works if it's cold outside. So Yeah, that's true. Well, I kind of like them all the time. Okay. But... Because of you and Gabe. So a hot tub sounds fun to you. <laughs> Always. Always. Yes. Okay. We'll do um, it. Well, I'm excited for you for today and for the book coming out. Thank you. I love you. you. I think the world love of you. Love you too. Oh, friends, isn't she just the best? I just love Rebecca so, so much. I, she's so wise and um, kind. And I just think when I was flipping through this book and 
even sitting here with her, I just thought, yeah, this all feels really true and good to me. I hope you'll grab a copy of Rhythms of Renewal today. I think it'll really help us as we kind of shape our fall and go into who we want to be in 2020. So make sure you grab a copy today and follow Rebecca on all the places. Tell her thanks for being on the show and how much you enjoyed it. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs. F as in finding your rest. F as in finding your rest. There you go. (laughs) Finding your rhythms of renewal. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you're looking for me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. And I'll see you back here on Thursday. Y'all just aren't even ready. For We got another comedian on our hands, Dustin Nickerson. It is such a great conversation. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. See you Thursday. Thursday.